This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And this is the whole idea behind the purity ring or the promise ring that became popular some years ago, where a person would wear a purity ring around their neck or on their ring finger of their left hand as a statement, uh, not that they're married, but that they're keeping their body for marriage. And that ring was until the wedding day when it would, the ring, purity ring taken off and replaced by a marriage ring. And Christ likens his church to virgins in verse one. Just like Paul referred to believers, he was mentoring, he was bringing believers along and he said, to them in 2 Corinthians 11.2, 2 Corinthians 11.2, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, and that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So what Paul is doing here is he's alluding to, he's referring to a practice that was done among wealthy Greek people. Wealthy Greek people uh, where they, they would have the wealthy Greek people would have an officer who was assigned to a young Greek woman, a young Greek woman, and this officer was responsible for educating the young woman to get her ready for marriage. So the officer was also personally responsible for keeping that woman pure from fornication, and if he failed, great blame fell on him. And so when the time for the marriage came, of that young woman, that officer was present. That officer was present as one who had been responsible to keep her and educate her for marriage. And this is a practice that Paul is alluding to when he says about those that he was mentoring in Christ and he was saying, I am like that officer. I'm jealous over you with a jealousy that's a godly eagerness, a very eager that you should stay pure, that you should stay separate from the defiling world. And so Paul is saying that he, like that officer, was looking forward to the time when those he was mentoring would be joined to Christ in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's why he said in 2 Corinthians 11.2, 2 Corinthians 11.2, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So Paul called a believer a chaste virgin to Christ. So Christ wants his church to be a pure church not stained with the world, separated from the world. That's why it says in Ephesians 5.25, Ephesians 5.25, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself, 
a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So in this parable, like we said, Christ is not focused on the bride. It's not focused on the bride, but on these virgin bride attendants. As he's focusing on these virgin attendants, he's focusing on their lamps. The spotlight is on their lamps. In verse one, verse one, 10 virgins which took their lamps. These lamps, they consisted of a wick that burned, that made the flame, that gave the light, and the wick then went down, as normal lamps do, into an oil reservoir on the lamp, and that oil, the wick by capillary action, drew the oil out of the reservoir to make the flame at the end of the wick. And Christ has used a particular word to describe the lamps in verse one. It's a very important word when he said there. He said, 10 virgins which took their lamps, their lamps. So he wants in his picture that he's painting for us to see that each individual of those 10 virgins had her own lamp. There was no pile of lamps. There's no pile of lamps so that, you know, when the call came, you just take a lamp, whatever lamp is available there, you take it. No, it was every woman had her own lamp. That was her lamp. It was not someone else's lamp. That lamp was also 100% her responsibility. She was responsible for the integrity of the lamp to make sure it wasn't cracked, it wasn't leaking. She was responsible for the condition of the wick and that there's enough wick to go down into the oil reservoir and that it would work well for light. And most importantly, she was responsible for the quantity of the oil in the lamp. That the oil she's using is not contaminated with water so it'll burn well. That the oil that there was the, is being used is not dirty, but clean oil and but most importantly, that there was enough oil in the lamp for, for it to function and not run out. Everything about that lamp was 100% her lamp, her lamp. It was her responsibility, no one else's. And that's what he's emphasizing here when he says the word, their lamps. Now, so in the parable, he's alluding to the fact that the bride and her virgin attendants, they've heard the voice. They heard the voice of the herald in verse one, they went forth to meet the bridegroom. It was anticipated, they didn't know exactly when the bridegroom's gonna come, but it was anticipated the bridegroom is coming, is gonna be coming sometime soon. So the bride and their virgin attendants, they were ready, they were expecting him to come, but they didn't know exactly when. And they, but they had to be ready, they had to be waiting, they had to be listening for the sound of the herald. And this sound of the herald is like the, the voice, the voice that, that we're waiting to hear that's referred to in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the voice of the herald that we're waiting to hear. That's the signal that Christ has left his house to come to us so that we can leave our house, like the bride, and, and meet Christ in the air. It's that voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And so just like these virgins in verse one, we leave our house on earth to meet Christ halfway, as they did, only for us, it's in the air, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive, 
and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the analogy of the bridegroom coming for the bride that's all behind 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And just like the bride will from that point always be with her bridegroom, that's it for her life, but will from that time always be together with him, then when we leave earth to meet Christ, we will always be with Christ as he said in John 14, three, John 14, three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So the virgins now, they've heard the voice of the herald, they're going forth with the bride to meet the bridegroom, and here it is that Christ is obviously the analogy, the bridegroom symbolizes Christ himself. Just as he said, just as we have written about Christ as the bridegroom in Psalm 45. Psalm 45 is a description of the bridegroom. It's called, Psalm 45 is called a song of loves, very much like the Song of Solomon. It says, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have, touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. And then jumping on Psalm 45, 8. Psalm 45, 8. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces where they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider. Acline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. See the picture of the bride is leaving. She's forgetting about that. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. So shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework the virgins her companions that follow her shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Same picture. And this Psalm 45 and the Song of Solomon portray Christ as the bridegroom. And although, again, this parable doesn't say anything about the bride, the bride has prepared herself. She's prepared herself for the bridegroom just as, as those in Christ have prepared themselves to be joined to Christ in the marriage supper of the Lamb, where it says in Revelation 19.7, Revelation 19.7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arraigned in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. He said unto me, write, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this is what's coming of Christ, and he means to say this, the coming of Christ is this return of Christ. It's not just a cold, sterile doctrine as a part of a, a, one of the points of a statement of faith, but the coming of Christ is looked for, it's longed for, it's loved among believers. And so in this parable of the bridegroom coming, the first thing that the virgin attendants think of is their lamps. Where's my lamp? That's their responsibility, to light the way. So when they hear this shout, as quickly as they can, they grab, each one grabs their own lamp, 
and they get ready to go out there. And here comes the twist. The twist now in the story that he's painting for us, something that we didn't expect if we didn't know this. All of the virgin attendants are not the same. They look the same. They're all called virgins. And we assume they're all dressed the same, no difference. And they all have the same type of lamps. They all have their lamps. They all look the same. They all rise up to go. They all meet the bride. They go to meet the bridegroom. They're doing the same thing. They all they look the same to us. On the surface, we couldn't tell there's any difference between these 10 virgins. But Christ says in verse two, half of them. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. And the Greek word here that he used for, that's used for wise means careful. Half of them were careful. Half of them were cautious. Half of them were thoughtful. Half of them were thinking forward. They were forward thinking, half of them. And the Greek word that's used for, for foolish means dull or insensitive or stupid. And like they're in a stupor, that they're not thinking. They're not thinking forward. And so he explains to us now why the five were foolish and what the five wise ones did in contrast in verses three and four. Verses three and four, he says, they that were foolish took their lamp but took no oil with them. And the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So what happened was that both the foolish and the wise, they got their lamps and they looked the same, but, but it turns out the wise had their lamps, and they were thinking ahead. They were thinking ahead, I've got to use my lamps, and i got to make sure that everything is here, the oil's in my lamp, the reservoir's there. And the thing about this oil reservoir is that it was hidden. You couldn't tell. These were clay, clay lamps. So nobody knew there was oil in anybody's lamp or not oil in their lamp. It was all hidden to view. But as far as the foolish were concerned, they were happy enough just to grab their lamp and that was enough, that was good enough for them. They had their lamp, never mind the oil, they had their lamp. But the wise, they were not happy with just getting their lamp. The wise, they were not happy unless they had oil also in their lamp. So there was a question there about, well, what were they satisfied with? What were they, the, so the foolish, they wanna be seen. They want to be seen. Here I am. I'm doing my responsibility. I've got my lamp. See my lamp. I'm all set here. But there was no care for what couldn't be seen. You know, it's all they cared about is what can be seen. And so, but on the other hand, the wise, they said, I don't care that it can be seen or not. I got to have oil in my lamp. That's what was made the difference. And you have to ask yourself the question, what were the foolish thinking or not thinking? Maybe they thought that the bridegroom was not really gonna come, or they didn't care. They just had a different, different view. That's a difference. That's a difference. The wise were worried about the oil, and the foolish were not. Now, yeah, we have to ask the question, well, what does the oil symbolize? Well, the oil in the Bible symbolizes the Holy Spirit symbolizes the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, here's what Christ said about the Holy Spirit himself in Luke 4.18, Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. That's in Luke 4.18, Luke 4.18. He talked about the Spirit of God was on him and the oil 
was on him from the anointing. Christ said that the Holy Spirit was on him and also in describing Christ, describing his life, sort of a summary, a thumbnail sketch, Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Oil was used. He said he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So again, oil was used to anoint a person to do a work for God. Christ said that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost, and it says in Acts 10.38 that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So oil is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says clearly that a person is a child of God or a person is not a child of God based on whether or not he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him, unseen, like the oil in the lamp. Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 9. You are not in flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So again, a person has, unseen to the eyes of others, a person has the Holy Spirit in him, he's a child of God. A person unseen to the eyes, a person does not have the Spirit of God living in him, he's not a child of God. And in this parable, the foolish, unseen to others, did not have oil, which is saying that they did not have the Holy Spirit living in because of this lack of oil. And that's why Christ says to them in verse 12, verse 12, verily I say unto you, I know you not. The other place where he said that in Matthew 7, when he said that, he said, I know you not, depart from me, you that work iniquity, and they were barred from heaven, they were cast into hell. In other words, the parable is saying that without the Holy Spirit living inside of a person, that they're none of Christ, and therefore they're cast into hell. And the problem is that we've been having in the last decades is the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement has made many people confused as to who the Holy Spirit really is. Because as they've observed in the charismatic movement, people go into trances and doing wild things and speaking in senseless babbling and being told that's the Holy Spirit that's caused that person to do all of that. And all of that has made people both confused and scared of who the Holy Spirit really is. And this all gets cleared up when we see one name that's given to the Holy Spirit, which I read already in Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 9, where it said, but we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so they be that the Spirit of Christ dwell in you, Spirit of God, sorry, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And that term also is used in 1 Peter 1.11, 1 Peter 1.11, speaking about the prophets in the old time who wrote prophecies, and Peter said in 1 Peter 1.11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified before him the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the name for the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of Christ clears up all of this confusion and takes away the fear of who the Holy Spirit really is from the charismatic movement because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. 
So that means then that the Holy Spirit will not cause a person to do things that we do not see Christ doing. And we can expect that when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit of Christ, that that person is gonna be like Christ as we see Christ in the Gospel records. And in the Gospel records, we do not see Christ going into trances. And we do not see Christ doing wild things. And we do not see Christ speaking in a senseless babblings. Now, since the foolish virgins didn't have any oil, that meant they didn't have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and therefore they're not really saved. But they look saved. They look saved from the outside. You ask them, you're saved. They say, yes, I'm saved. You say, do you receive Christ? Yes, I receive Christ. You say, did you know the Lord? Yes, I know the Lord. They look that. They go to church. They look that way because they talk like a person who's saved. They look like they're saved because their life looks like a person who's saved. But just like both the wise virgins and the foolish virgins, they all look the same. Their lamps look the same. They all look the same. But the difference between them two was all about what was hidden to the eye. It was all about the oil. One had oil, the other didn't. And there are those in the church who look like they're saved, and but the hidden reservoir of their soul, there's no Holy Spirit. There's no Spirit of Christ living in there. We can't see it, but that's the reality. That means that they're happy as long as they are seen externally to look like they're saved. Just as the foolish, they didn't care about the internal of the lamp, whether it had oil or not. And there are those in the church who don't care whether they really have a personal relationship with Christ or not. They don't care if Christ is, is really their dearest secret friend or not. Their, their heart is not really exercised in what Paul talked about in Philippians 3.12 when he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it, even unto them. So in other words, the foolish virgins, they weren't trouble, they weren't care, there was no oil in their lamps. Just like as those who don't really have the Holy Spirit, they're not troubled inside that they're not closer to Christ. They're not really counting themselves as not close enough to Christ. They're not really forgetting that where they've come from in order that they might keep stretching and reaching and pressing to get closer to Christ. That's not them, that's not part of their MO. They're just happy with their religion and they don't really care about relationship with Christ. Christ is not the center of their thoughts. He's not the object of their passion. They see themselves as part of Christianity. They're Baptists, they're Catholics, they're members of some denomination or a member of some church, and they don't see themselves as in Christ and consumed with the person of Christ that they would say something like Philippians 1.21, Philippians 1.21, they wouldn't say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Why is that? Why? No oil. No oil in the hidden reservoir of their soul. No Christ in the person of the Spirit of Christ 
living in them. And because they really don't have their lives consumed with Christ, they would say, well, I know the Lord. And, and when it comes down to entering heaven or not, they would say, I know the Lord. But the question is not whether, whether they know the Lord. The question is the Lord Jesus in verse seven. The Lord Jesus in verse seven, I'm sorry, verse 12. In verse 12, verse 12, he didn't say, verily I say unto the, you, you don't know me. It's not a question of whether a person knows the Lord. What the Lord said in verse 12, verse 12 was, verily I say unto you, I know you not. Why did he say that? What did he mean when he said, I know you not? I mean, Christ just knows everything. He knows everybody. What do you mean he didn't know them? He knows every person. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.